Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said again to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The word of God. The words of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Church, we're so blessed to have these words written on paper, directed by the power of the Holy Spirit, so we can read the words of God. And we are blessed uh, that the Holy Spirit of God dwells in the life of believers that give us understanding. And so, Father, again, we ask for understanding this morning that we would apply it in our lives. This week, because we'll be in John 10 next week, I want you to go read John chapter 9 and 10 together. Because what Jesus does in John 10 is he gives a parable about him being the door and the good shepherd. And it's all to give understanding to what happened in John chapter 9. In John chapter 9, there's a man who was born blind, had not seen at all in his lifetime. He is a grown man. Jesus heals him, does this miraculous work, and then he gets in trouble with the religious leaders who want to kick him out, and they are trying to persuade him not to follow after Jesus. And in John chapter 10, Jesus says that he is the door, he is the good shepherd, explaining what just happened in John chapter 9. So read John 9 and John 10 uh, this week, as we will look at the rest of John chapter 10 Next Sunday, Lord willing. Verses 1 through 3, the first point is entrance to the sheepfold. Entrance to the sheepfold. Jesus talks about sheep. He talks about a shepherd. He talks about the sheepfold. He talks about a gatekeeper. And to understand what Jesus is saying, we may sometimes just jump to when we see, you know, some sheep by the side of the road and we see some trailer sitting out there in the field. And maybe we really don't or have not had the opportunity to work with sheep. But some of you have. You've grown up and you've had sheep on your family's property. You've cared for them and you know some of this. Well, we must go back and look at Jesus in Palestine at the time that he teaches this and shepherds at that time. And so he speaks in verses 1 through 3 about this entrance to the sheepfold. The shepherds would gather their flocks and during the day, lead them to green pastures, lead them to water, care for them, check every single one of their sheep, make sure that they're all there, make sure that there's no problems, protect them from all of the predators. And at nighttime, they would bring the sheep into a sheepfold. And sometimes there may be a few different flocks of sheep and a few different shepherds, but the shepherd would bring his sheep into this area probably with an open top, some type of wall around it, could be rocks, 
Uh, it could be a very high wall that they made with rocks and mud. It could be lower rocks with a bunch of briars across the top. But there's only one entrance into the sheepfold, one entrance and one exit. And this is what Jesus is speaking of when he talks about the sheepfold. There's a door. There's a gate. Uh, there's one way in and one way out. And it's to protect the sheep from thieves, robbers, from predators like wolves or lions or wild dogs. That if you have paid attention to sheep before, that even a few wild dogs can cause so much havoc that you can lose a number of your flock, even as they would trample each other, as they would be attacked. And so there is protection in the sheepfold. And Jesus says this, and when you see in verse 1, or you see farther on in John 10, when he says, truly, truly, I say to you, or you see something that's repeated, like he speaks at the door three times, uh, two times to be repetitive is very important. But even a third time to say it, you say, whoa, I should stop and pay attention, because Jesus has said it three times now, he's trying to teach me something And so Jesus says in verse 1, after this man has been healed, as he's been kicked out by the religious leaders, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a what? A robber. So Jesus says, if the sheep are in the sheepfold at night, and there's a thief that is climbing over, to try to secretly steal the sheep, or a robber that comes in to try to climb in, maybe to uh, try to hurt someone, this protection for the sheep, um, that they are different than the shepherd. What he does in verse 1 and 2 is this compares and contrasts between the shepherd and the thieves or robbers. They're imposters. They may show up as uh, false shepherds, saying that they're the shepherd, calling out to the sheep. But as we read and we will see here, the sheep know who the shepherd is. But these are those who try to sneak in and to steal the sheep, to eat and kill or kill and eat the sheep. In verse 10, we read that Jesus says that the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. And when we look at verse 10, we'll see that that's Satan, the enemy. And so know that the sheep in the sheepfold have an enemy, and the enemy is working hard to try to destroy the sheep. Here in John 10, like, if you want to add to your reading this week, Ezekiel 34, there were religious leaders in which God told the prophet Ezekiel, he says, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. So in Israel, at the time when Ezekiel was a prophet, the Uh, religious leaders, God saw them as shepherds leading his people to follow his laws and be obedient to him. But what happens is Ezekiel says, as God tells him to, that these shepherds at that time are really the thieves and robbers. They're not good shepherds. They are feeding themselves. They're making themselves fat. They are scattering the sheep. And it says the sheep are scattered and going to be killed. And God tells Ezekiel, tell the shepherds, I will come after them. Here in John 10, in a number of places in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus has interactions with the shepherds. And he calls them out. And he calls these religious leaders out for trying to get people to follow laws that they've added on top and to teach them lies of things which are not God's word. And he says he calls them liars. 
And there are false shepherds. And so you have the thief, the robber, the imposter. That is who Jesus is speaking of. And if you look at verse 2 here in John 10. But he who enters by the door is the what of the sheep? The shepherd. We love reading about the shepherd. When we read about the love and the care that the shepherd has for the sheep, you're so good. You care for me. You lead me, you guide me, you protect me. And this is the description that we read of the shepherd of the sheep. It says, to him the gatekeeper opens. Again, I hope that as you came in, someone opened the door for you. Maybe you're like, oh, no one opened the door for me. I'm sorry. Hopefully someone opened the door for you. And if they did that, it's like the gatekeeper. They opened, so you came in. And I think what happens, I know that we read John chapter 10, and I think sometimes we skip over or we miss the first part of verse 3. To him the gatekeeper opens. Because we focus on the door and we focus on the good shepherd. But we miss, who's the gatekeeper? It's an important question that you should ask. Because Jesus points out, it's his words, Jesus is God, the gatekeeper opens for the shepherd. When the shepherd comes back in the morning to gather up his flock, the gatekeeper opens. We have to ask the question, is the gatekeeper the sheep? No. The shepherd is coming, the gatekeeper opens to call the sheep out. The sheep don't decide, yes, you get to come in today, shepherd, or no, you don't. Shepherd, you get to stay outside, we're just going to stay in here, we don't want to go out and go eat the green grass today. The sheep do not have a key for the door. They don't have the hands even, if you think of sheep, to open the gate. That's why there's a gatekeeper. You say, well, who is the gatekeeper? Well, we've seen this the last two Sundays in the I Am Statements of Christ as we've seen this. The gatekeeper is the Holy Spirit of God. The gatekeeper is the Holy Spirit of God. And we know this from Scripture in which the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts the heart of the sheep. John 16, John 16, verses 8 and 9. And when he comes, Jesus is speaking of the Holy Spirit here. And he says in John 16, 8 and 9, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me. You say, ah, yes. At one point, I did not believe that Jesus Christ was the good shepherd. At one point, I did not believe that Jesus Christ was Lord, that he was God, that he's the one that can save And the Holy Spirit is sent by God to convict us that, oh, wow, I have sinned against God. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. It says of righteousness and judgment to come so that there would be belief to follow. The Holy Spirit is the gatekeeper. And so it's a great question. Who is the gatekeeper? God, the Holy Spirit, not only who convicts hearts. But 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 tells us the Holy Spirit is the one who regenerates heart. A few weeks ago, we were in John chapter 3, and Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be what? You must be what? You remember? He said, you must be born again. And he was like, well, how does that happen? Jesus went on to tell him about the Holy Spirit that cannot be controlled. 
And the Holy Spirit does the work of God. And we read this and we read, I'll read it again. First Peter chapter one, verse three. It says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, the wonderful truth that Jesus points out here is the Holy Spirit, the gatekeeper, does this regenerating work in our life so that you don't have to work to open a door or close a door. It's the work of God so that you, uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, so that there's no works that you can do to be saved, that God does the works. You're saved by faith in Jesus Christ alone. And therefore, it's the gatekeeper who's doing that work, who's convicting you of your sin, who's regenerating generating your heart and making you know, making you new. And as Ephesians 2, 10, 8, 9, 10 says, you're given the gift of faith to believe. It's the gift of God. And therefore we say, praise the Lord for the gatekeeper. God, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, as Paul writes, who works in our life in this wonderful work that we would be called by the shepherd and be saved Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he tells them, uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, speaking of the natural man does not understand the things of God. The natural man is uh, a description for those who are not saved. And so before we are saved, we do not understand the things of God. We may think we do, and it's not until the Holy Spirit comes into our life and we're saved. We're like, oh, wow, now I understand what he meant when he said, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we begin to understand these things. But the natural man does not. The person before Christ in them, the hope of glory, does not understand and that's why the gatekeeper, the Holy Spirit, opens our eyes to the gospel of Jesus that we would believe, be given the faith, the gift of faith to believe. And therefore, when we read Philippians 2, Philippians 2.13, as Paul wrote to the church of Philippi, we can understand the work of God. It says in Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, we, as we're singing, there are benefits being the sheep of the good shepherd. But do you see that? It says, to work for whose good pleasure? God. Because it's God who is the one who gives life. It's God who has created this universe. God owns it all. And so, yes, we are blessed through salvation in Jesus Christ, but he does all of it for his good pleasure and his glory simply because he is who? God. And yet that's our biggest hang-up as humans, isn't it? Yes, God is God when I want him to be God, but not all the time. Because I want God to do that work of saving and I want to be in heaven, but I want to live my life over here this way. And yes, I want to be a sheep, but I want to go to this pasture, God. Lord, don't send me that pasture. I want to go to this one because there's some good clover over here. There's no clover in that field over there. Lord, the water's fresher over here. And it's one of those things where we lie to ourselves. We believe the lies of the world because we want to lead ourselves and we don't want to allow God to be God. And I believe that's the greatest, biggest hang-up for us. It's the pridefulness of man's heart. 
For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Philippians 2, 13. And Romans chapter 8 tells us, Paul tells us that anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And so if the spirit of Christ does not live in our lives, we are not the sheep. Only the sheep, again, a term, another name for the believers, for Christians, for the saints, for the elect, the church, the sheep. Jesus in the, in, in the gospel accounts talks about the sheep and the goats. And he talks about at the day of judgment, the sheep and the goats will be separated. And the sheep will go into uh, eternity with Christ forever. And the goats will be cast into hell for eternity under the judgment of God. And so Romans says in chapter 8 that if you do not have the spirit of Christ in you, you do not belong to the good shepherd But those who do have the Holy Spirit of God, those who have been saved by faith in Christ alone, have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. And as that truth um, comes along with that you belong to the good shepherd. And as I read this week, um, I don't know a lot about sheep, shepherds, seen them a few times, maybe pet one. I've read stuff in the past about taking care of sheep, but I read a book this week, or a few chapters out of a book, a guy who all he's done all his life is raise sheep. It's amazing the things that you learn about someone who cares for sheep. If you look at verses uh, 3 through 6 here in John 10, it talks about the voice of the shepherd. The voice of the shepherd. This week, I was thinking, who have voices that are familiar to me? I wrote down these names when I hear these voices. If I don't have a picture in front of me, I know who these are. This is my list. Elvis Presley. Sean Connery. Bugs Bunny. Daffy Duck. Elmer Fudd. Morgan Freeman. Clint Eastwood. John F. Kennedy. Samuel L. Jackson, and those are all familiar names. I could put more in here. When I just hear their voice, I'm like, oh, that's who that is. And I have a picture in my mind, but I don't know any of them personally. Some of them are already dead. Some of our cartoon characters, but I know the voice and it's familiar to me. And as I was reading this man who talked about the sheep that he's cared for in his lifetime. I mean, you hear this and you read this, but it's like, is that really true? He kept talking about all the accounts of when he would just simply call out with his voice to his sheep and they would stop what they were doing. They may be eating and hungry and wanting that or drinking and he would call them and he described how they would lift up their heads and look. And he would have certain calls and they would follow him. He was not chasing them with his staff, even though we can talk about the rod and the staff. But he called them and the sheep who people uh, you, you read about sheep and, and, and even this week, as I read, they're always described as dumb animals or something. I'm like, well, they're not that dumb. If they can know the voice of a human shepherd, it's like this is what Jesus says. They know his voice. Do you know the voice of the good shepherd, Jesus? 
Do you hear the voice of Jesus, your shepherd, calling out to you and speaking to you and leading you and guiding you? It says in verse 3, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by what? By name and leads them out. Turn, turn to Psalm 139. As you're, as you're turning to Psalm 139, again, the shepherd comes to the sheepfold. The gatekeeper opens the door. The shepherd calls out his sheep by name. And I was thinking, wow, if you had a lot of sheep. And they all kind of look the same. But yet this guy described it. He said, no, I know which one is which. That's the one that fell in the water over here. That's the one that got hurt that time. This is the one. That, and it's like amazing that. But then I've been asked before. Uh, people will say, how do you know so many names of people? How do you memorize it? I said, well, I don't have everyone's name memorized in the church. But a lot of people, it's like I can learn it right away. Or sometimes some of you know I've met you. I'm like, I've got to say your name like three or four times. And next week, will you please tell me your name before so I can learn it? But the shepherd knows all of their names perfectly. He knows every single thing about them. In Psalms 139. <clears throat> what, a, what a powerful passage of scripture. King David writes, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know me when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Listen to this verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. I think of when I read that verse, Jonah swallowed by the great fish in the depths of the ocean and the Lord was with him. It says, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. Verse 13, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book. Listen to this. Were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. Amazing. When as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. And then you think about the thieves and the robbers. Look at verse 19. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred and can I count them my enemies? Listen to the last two verses. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. 
and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. The good shepherd knows his sheep intimately. He knows them by name. He knows every detail about them before they were ever created. He has every one of the days of their life numbered. He knows the numbers of the hairs on their head. He knows every thought of his sheep. And it says the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. What a glorious description of our Lord and Savior. I think sometimes Jesus can just be described as Lord Savior. He's God. He's our Savior. Praise Him. And the whole personal nature that you see in His relationship with the disciples and His followers and the description of the Good Shepherd and the sheep sometimes can get lost. Do you know the Good Shepherd as it's described there in Psalm 139? Do you know Jesus not only as Lord, as Savior, but the Good Shepherd who cares for your soul? Do you know that the Good Shepherd has a better plan for your life than you do? Do you know that nothing surprises Him? Even when you think, no one understands, people, I'm upset with these people just because of this and that, this trouble has happened in my life, to be reminded, oh, the Good Shepherd already knew. The Good Shepherd leads me, even in this troubling time. The Good Shepherd knows everything about me. And yes, even as David ends that, it says, let there be, let me, and see if there be any grievous in me, ray in me and leave me in everlasting. Even the fact when we realize, oh, Lord, I've sinned against you. Jesus, I've sinned against you. That is a wonderful thing because the spirit of the good shepherd is reminding you and prompting you and convicting your heart and saying, turn from those sins and follow after me. It's a glorious picture to have a Savior who is our shepherd. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 through 30. It says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Just as we were reading this, the shepherd calls. It says, just as he, uh, and whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What a wonderful text to see how the shepherd does the work to save his people from their sins. In verse 4 of our text here, it says, when he, brought, when he has brought out all his own, do not forget that the shepherd is the legal owner of the sheep. But yet sometimes the sheep think they are the ones who own their lives. I know I've thought that before. Some of you may join me in that and say, yes, I've thought that before. Well, when we read these things, again, I'm reminded in Romans chapter 11, a wonderful passage about the wisdom of God. It says in verse 36 of Romans 11, for from him and through him and to him are all things. It says to him be the glory forever. Amen. There in Romans 11:36, for from him and through him and to him. God has created everything. Everything is from him. And as we were reading in Philippians, uh, it says, from him and through him, everything is done and to him. It's for him. That's why we must be reminded and actually reject that we have some right to our life. And you go, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. 
I live in a world today that's all about my rights, right? I mean, it's all over the nose. It's even this week. It seems like you can't read an article, turn something on, which you're like, oh, I'm going to read about these uh, tigers in this country. It's like, wait, it's all about rights? Again, this, this, in the midst of our heart, we really want it to be about me, myself, and I, and not the good shepherd. We want the good shepherd when it's best for my rights. And yet, when he has brought out all his own, the shepherd is the legal owner of the sheep. And you're going, what do you mean in there, pastor? Well, 1 Corinthians 6.20 says this. Apostle Paul tells the Christians in Corinth, he says, You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And he was encouraging them of how they live and not to live in sinfulness because God is the one who has purchased them. He has bought them and he says, therefore, glorify God. First Peter chapter one, verses 18 and 19. First Peter chapter one, verses 18 through 19 helps us understand that Jesus Christ has purchased his people off the slave trading block of sin by a great price. First Peter chapter one, verses 18 and 19 says, knowing that you were ransomed from the, the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without, splots, without blemish or spot. I don't know if you ever think about when you look to the cross and you're reminded of the blood of Christ and think of it as the precious Blood of Christ. The precious blood of the good shepherd. You read in the rest of John chapter 10, as you'll read it this week. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The shepherd owns the sheep. The shepherd has all the rights over the sheep. Even though the sheep think that they have all the rights of their life. It's truly the shepherd who does because he shed his blood to purchase them for his own and to call them out and to call them by name because he loves them. And therefore, it is the shepherd is the one who owns the sheep. Verse four says he goes before them and the sheep follow him and they know his voice. We'll look more at this in next week as we read through the rest of John chapter 10. But we do know, as Jesus says here, the sheep are not going to follow the stranger. Again, as I read about sheep being uh, cared for this week, this guy that I was reading of, he then began to talk about how he would invite people over friends or even just visitors. And he would give them opportunities. I want you guys to. I'm gonna, here's the words I use with my sheep. Use these same words. They'd call out, do the terms and the same phrases exactly the way it would, and the sheep wouldn't even care at all. They would not come to any of the visitors. He said he did this for years. He couldn't get anyone to call his sheep, but yet they would be done, and he would say the same thing, and they would put, prick up their ears, and they would turn and come over. Again, This is what Jesus uses as the description of himself calling his people and his people know him. And it's a wonderful, glorious thing to know the shepherd. John chapter eight, it tells us in verse 47, whoever is of God, hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. When Jesus has interactions between all of these 
religious leaders, Pharisees, all of them, when he speaks in these things, he says, you hear or you don't hear the voice of God. And he's constantly pointing them and says, whoever hears, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. We know from the letters of the New Testament that sheep hear the voice of Christ through reading his word, through the preaching of his word. We know that sheep hear uh, Jesus' voice as through the work of the Holy Spirit, and they respond by following Him. John 15, by abiding in Him. Sheep know the voice of the shepherd and are called to give undivided attention. But if you're sheep of the Good Shepherd, you know that some days your undivided attention that you wish went to Jesus gets attention elsewhere. There's things throughout the day that bombard us. There's people, there's relationships, there's schoolwork, there's jobs, there's money. There's all these things that distract us from undivided attention to follow the good shepherd. And we have such a good shepherd that he continues to work in us. He continues to call us. He continues to lead us and guide us. And when we go astray, he turns us back. And even when we read Hebrews and it says that he disciplines those of his because he loves them, even the discipline is good. And therefore, we must seek the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to open our ears to the voice of the shepherd to lead us and guide us. And the reality is when the word of God is read, there are some people that will read a text and be totally put off by it. And there will be others who will be like reading the same text and they're like, oh, what a blessing to read these words today. There are those who will hear a teaching or the preaching of the word of God and they can be in the same room on the same day and people will be so offended. I can't believe what he just said. And the other people are like, well, he just read a verse and did you hear that words of God? Again, the Holy Spirit works upon our lives and therefore the things of this world is calling your attention and your prayer and my prayer should be Holy Spirit. Let me hear the voice of the good shepherd and have my ears attentive and follow wholeheartedly. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 and through 23. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the what? The will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. To think that one day, the day of judgment, there will be people who go to Jesus and say, hey, I'm one of your sheep. For him to say, I never knew you. To go from a shepherd who knows every detail about the sheep and knows their name to go to hear the words of the great shepherd, the good shepherd, say, I never knew you. Wow. There are people who need to hear the voice of the good shepherd. And Jesus has called his church, his sheep who are walking the earth today to go and declare the good news of the good shepherd the great shepherd so that 
those walking in darkness would see the light and they would believe in Jesus Christ and be saved. That's what we're to do, church. The last three verses, just briefly here, not much really to say. Jesus says this in verse 7 because they didn't understand, even in verse 6. So he tells them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Jesus is the door to green pastures. He's the door to, as it says in verse 10, abundant life. Jesus is the only door or the only way of eternal life and eternal security. Jesus is the only way, the only door by which anyone can go in and out of the sheepfold. And he uses the term we've seen the last couple weeks and we'll see in the next few weeks. He says, I am ego emi. I am, I am the door of the sheep is what it says literally. Or if you turn, actually, it's really, again, the door of the sheep, I am. It's the same term that uh, when Moses stands before the burning bush and he's, and God says, tell them my name is I am. So don't ever listen to anyone who says Jesus never said he was God. Jesus repeatedly, emphatically said he was God. And any religious leader that would stand there and hear him say, I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. They would know that he's saying, I am God. That's why they wanted to stone him. That's why they wanted to arrest him. That's why they said he blasphemed and nailed him to the cross. Because Jesus said he was God. The hard part for many in the world is to dare say he is the only door. For you to dare say that he is the only door to to salvation is like using swear words in one sense to offend someone. Because many people in this world believe that the door is Buddha, the door is Krishna, the door is Muhammad, the door is you fill in the blank. Or all of them are the doors. And they're enraged to hear a true sheep or the good shepherd say, there's only one door and it's Jesus Christ. And so you can understand why it's difficult when sheep face the enemies and to stand and say, no, there's only one way. Jesus says this in Matthew 7, 13, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it, enter by it, are many. Jesus goes on in verse 8, 9, 10. He says, All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Verse 9, I am the door. He says it again. If anyone enters by me, he will be what? You'll be saved and will go out, in and out. And find pasture. Verse 10, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And we know the thief that comes to kill and steal and destroy is Satan. John 8, 44, Jesus says that Satan was a murderer from the beginning. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus says to the believers to watch out your enemy. Satan prowls like a roaring lion seeking to devour you. And that's why we need to stay close to the shepherd. You need to follow the shepherd. 
Matthew 6 or 9, 36 says that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And the last thing he says there in verse 10, I came that they may have life and have it what? Abundantly. Abundant life. Jesus gives abundant life to his sheep now on earth as well as eternity in heaven. Ephesians 1 tells us the sheep today are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places today. And that there is abundant living in this world even amongst all the darkness because Christ lives in us the hope of glory. The sheep are safe and secure because they are born again, forgiven, set free from slavery to sin. The sheep are justified, adopted as the child of God and have conquered death through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Up on the screen, we're going to close together and read together Psalm chapter 23. Many of you know this by memory. And as we read this aloud, think of Jesus, the good shepherd, the one who cares for your souls. Let us read this together. Chapter 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would keep your sheep from wandering into pastures and places you would not have us go. Jesus, would you protect your sheep from the thieves, from the robbers, from the predators? Good shepherd, Jesus, you are the keeper of our soul. Would you continue to lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake? Would you lead us day in and day out Continue to call us. Make our ears prick up when we hear you speak to us. May we hear your voice, Jesus, and follow you all the days of our life. Father, for any or all in this room who have not been following you, who have not heard your voice, but today they have heard the good news that you, the shepherd, have laid down your life for them. And that you've taken your life back up. And through your blood that you shed, they are forgiven. Through your resurrection, they conquer death. And through faith in you, they're saved eternally. We give you all the praise and all the glory for being our good shepherd in Jesus' name.